United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. That's okay, blame the technology. Um, actually, speaking of blaming the technology, hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and, um, that person that you can't see is Chelsea, and we actually have two more questions to open up with before we jump into this episode really quickly. I totally forgot. Um, let me find it really quick, uh, God, I fucking hate the computer. Okay, wait. Mm-mm. I this is so fucking annoying. I'm wow. signed into like four separate accounts. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. on my Google, so it pulls up like my work one, my personal one, and I'm just like, please relax. Okay, first question: What do we do when Godzilla emerges from the depths of the ocean in a couple of years? Um. Well. Maybe call who? Mm. I don't know. I live in Utah, man. The ocean is not my problem. That's, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll we are nowhere near. The military takes care of it. That's um, not the fun answer, though, is it? Hope that I go to. Here's what I fucking do. Here's what, what? I fucking do. Get I mean, I was gonna say we call King Kong, right? Like you cause... ruined my answer. I was gonna oh. get my ass. <laughs> On a plane to Antarctica, fly into the center of the earth that I've been talking about for all these years, and get Kong to come fight that scaly bitch. Yeah, that's the answer. It's 100% the answer. Period. You gotta get Kong involved. You got, it's, like, so obvious. Like, I understand the deepness of this question, but the answer was right in front of you the whole time. Yeah. I'm gonna Karen, and I'm gonna get the manager involved. Yeah. What I'm gonna fucking do. I'm not even going to be sad about it. No. If toilets were all sentient, would you rather it yearn for you to use it or be disgusted by it? I'd want it to yearn for me to use it just Same. because I don't want to I don't want to punish technology. I've been way nicer to my Roomba and I was already <laughs> nice to my Roomba. Yeah, we've already established that there's no benefit from being mean to technology, so I would at least like it to I would at least like it to like it. I would like for it yeah. to yearn for it. And honestly, maybe that could also help with people who have like pee shyness or any sort of bowel shyness. Maybe if they knew that like you were raised into knowing that the toilet's job was for you to use it and that it genuinely enjoyed it and need it, needed mm-hmm. it to like survive, you would feel better about it. So, yeah. And maybe incels will know that they're finally pleasing something. That's true. <laughs> you know, I had to explain what an incel was to one of Ty's friends. They didn't understand the concept of involuntary celibate. Well, they didn't know what the term meant. They'd never heard it before. Isn't it weird that like our apex predator is just constantly murdering people? And then there's people who exist, men, who just don't have to worry about it. So it just never comes across the forefront of their mind. It's true. It's also like what a 
privilege it must be to live a life where you don't know what an incel is. I yearn for that past. <laughs> I bet he walks around at night and isn't even worried about getting abducted or murdered. Definitely not. <laughs> Speaking of um, lives that we'll never live, we're talking <laughs> about mermaids today. Man, I am so excited because I love mermaids. I, like everyone who with a half a brain wants to be a mermaid and played mermaids growing up. Yeah. I was convinced that my mean grandma was a mermaid. Why? Well, she needed her mermaid time, right? And we weren't allowed to see her with a tail. But really, it's just because my mom was gently trying to explain that my grandma didn't love us and didn't want us around and twisted it into a way that I, as a child, would find fascinating and not hurtful. <laughs> that was so much to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So your grandma just hated you and uh, didn't want you guys to be around and your mom to not ruin your childlike sense of wonder and or, you know, potentially cause some problems in the future was like, it's just because she's a mermaid and needs time to be a mermaid yeah. away from you. It's like what I need to tell Oliver, who's actively trying to have a conversation with me, despite us recording and he can hear me speaking. This is mermaid <laughs> time right now. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, you've got it. We're talking about mermaids today. Don't, don't feed the tulpa. So mermaids, Noel, have been a part of our history since the dawn of man, and yeah. historians have stumbled across mentions of them in ancient texts more than once. One of the first known stories that mentions a mermaid dates all the way back to 1000 BC Assyria, which is now better known as modern day Iraq and Turkey. Mm. In this story, a goddess named Adargatis fell in love with a mortal man, always a mistake, but eventually killed him by mistake, and are very fragile. That is true. Out of shame, she attempted to punish herself by throwing herself into a lake and took the form of a fish. The legend has that it not only or that not only the waters could hide her exquisite beauty, um, but like even as a fish, she was still absolutely remarkable. So essentially her goddess beautiful features shone through, thus making her one of the first mentions of a half woman, half fish hybrid. Isn't that always fun about mermaids? Like if you were to ask a child, give them a set of crayons and paper, but they have been completely uninfluenced by pop culture and what pop culture presents mermaids as. And mm -hmm. you go, draw me what you think a fish person looks like. It would probably be something more comical, like mm -hmm. maybe a bass with legs. It would just yeah. like, you know what I mean? Maybe something like that. Like very trogdor with like the body of the monster and like the arms of a man. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, it's very um, like ancient myth, very sailor's tales that it's always a haughty, like a city mm -hmm. girl mermaid. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the ancient playboys spread. Straight up though. So at our goddesses, influence could be found through the ancient Greek and Syrian worlds too. One Syrian writer named Lucian made note that he believed the woman could actually take the form of a fish and to keep from accidentally harming her, eating fish in that region became a very harsh stigma. 
Now, Adargatis eventually had a bit of a facelift linguistically, as she was eventually known as Durkido with the Greeks and Diasura with the Romans. Also, that's kind of funny that they kept the lore of like the haughty fish lady and they were like, we can't eat fish, though, just in case we accidentally eat her. And it's like, you're telling me you wouldn't notice the difference between like a fucking, you know, mm-hmm. a trout or a flounder yeah. and a sexy woman fish that you would eat it. Like, what's that about? It's like pick a lane. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm wondering how hard it was to get fish in that region, too, because a big part of why like hooved animals have become taboo to eat in a lot of religions is just because they were too hard to keep as livestock. Yeah, that is always um, my favorite fun fact when it comes to looking at um, typically religious text mm-hmm. about like banning of certain foods or certain foods being unholy or unclean, like yeah. bacon, for example, or, or pig. Mi- yeah, our mixed textiles tend mm-hmm. to, to lead to importing from other regions that they didn't typically agree with. So obviously that became taboo and it got written down in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, same with the shellfish thing. And it's not that shellfish will make you go to hell. It's just about their access to it, their access to keeping it, keeping it clean without accidentally killing a bunch of fucking mm-hmm. people for unsanitary yeah. conditions. It's 100% it. So, sightings of her or others like her did not stop in history just because her name changed with time. In the first century, Pliny the Elder, a Roman historian, wrote about the many mermaid sightings just off the coast of Gaul. Now, we all know ancient Gaul is a few things, and in our modern tongue would refer to it as several different places, i.e. France, Belgium, Germany, and Italy. What is especially interesting is that along with Pliny's accounts of mermaids, historians were also able to find letters of the governor of Gaul, and he sent letters to the Emperor Augustus, wondering if their leader could offer any reprieve from the countless bodies of mermaids that had been washing up on their coastline. And this isn't the only historical mention of mermaids coming out of the ancient Greek world. In fact, Alexander the Great's sister had long been rumored to be a mermaid. And what a fun rumor to have started about you. I would fucking love that. What if she was just mean and didn't want to spend time with him? <laughs> like your grandma. Um, I, you know, what a gift that must have been, right? Mm-hmm. Usually like rumors that started about me maybe in like high school was just like I was a raging whore who was filthy and you know yeah i didn't get like i was a mermaid yeah yeah and it's just people you weren't obtainable so you had to become restricted and bad yeah meanwhile i just wanted to brush my hair with clamshells and dip my toes in the water you just wanted to have a good life and people hated you for it ridiculous It's, it's true and there are a lot of legends surrounding the famed military's leader sibling and her name was thessaloniki of nice nice that was a big old word and i said it um in fact this is a big reason why many images of alexander the great anna's macedonian history often ties closely with mermaids there are so many pictures of him holding mermaids there are so many pictures of like mermaids in macedonia and all of it comes down to hit like his attributions to his sister so according to classicalwisdom.com a popular Greek in a popular Greek legend, there lived a mermaid in the Aegean Sea for centuries by the name of Thessaloniki. She was reputedly the half sister of Alexander the Great, and it was told that Alexander's father, Philip of Macedon, had married the mother of Thessaloniki, and Philip was notorious for his many marriages. 
And according to the popular legend, Alexander went searching for the fountain of youth while in Asia, and he did find it. After facing many dangers, he was able to fill a flask with the waters of immortality. Alexander washed his sister's hair in the precious waters and made her immortal. The great conqueror himself did not drink the waters, and he did die in Babylon in 323 BC. Nice clarification there, because I was going to be like, hmm, riddle me the fuck that. <laughs> you didn't drink it, and he didn't make her drink it, you just washed your hair with it. I wouldn't also, let my brother wash my hair, I think that's gross. I wouldn't let anyone touch my hair besides a hairstylist. Yeah. Um, have you seen the picture of a mermaid of Macedonia? And she is, um, how can I explain this? It's like a mermaid, typical mermaid like a Sailor Jerry styled mermaid, but imagine um, where her mer pussy would be. Two stumpy little legs coming out. I think I see what you're talking about. It is it's like the Starbucks siren where the tail splits and she's holding it on both sides. Also, the Starbucks siren is for sure like doing a posturing vaginal move, right? In that logo. She's not not she's fully spreading. spread. Yeah. yeah, she's spreading. She's gaping for the world. Yeah, for so real. Her yeah, so the the Macedonian mermaid looks basically like the Starbucks mermaid in the sense that the tail splits into two and it comes up into like an arc that she kind of reaches out with her arms and embraces. Wow. It's just like giving a lot. Do you know what I mean? I wonder why the tail would split like that. That would be something interesting to explore for next time because I'm not 100% sure why that imagery is so important of the split tail of the mermaid, but we may get into it later. Um, also, do we cover where mermaid vaginas are? No. Okay, well then that's a personal question. Do you think it is kind of like the lighthouse mermaid vagina? Just right front I and center. I have to decide if I want to answer like female anatomy or if I want to answer like fish reproductive biology. Do fish have cloacas where it's just everything in one hole? <clears throat> I don't know. I do know that they like, I know that there have been times where I have like gotten do a fish, fish and I cut it open pussy. like to clean it and then yeah. it has eggs in it. But I think they come, I'm not, they should come out of all the same holes. I mean, technically, we have eggs inside of us as well. That doesn't yeah. mean, like, we don't That's have... not weird. But we also have separate holes. <sighs> yeah. I just, like, but... no one is talking about, like, what well, a mermaid's vagina should look like. It's enough, also, honestly. like, how can they... How do the eggs become fertilized, I think, would also be a good question. Because, like, our eggs are fertilized internally. Mm-hmm. But with fish, that you lay the eggs... And then the men come by and they fertilize the waters. And then that in turn fertilizes the eggs. So I guess it depends on like, but also there's some sharks that give birth to live babies from eggs that internally it carries, or you have like seahorses. I don't know. I think that's a really good question. I think it just depends on the lore of if you think that mermaids can have intercourse with sailors like well i mean like yeah they're so that's the whole fucking like that's why everyone's so down bad about them right well, maybe like, they're just so they down bad because they're beautiful but you can't have sex with them mm, true 
Um, I guess we're just going to have to like reach out to Robert Eagers and figure out what the lore and mythology is behind Mermaid Pussy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's an answer on the internet. I just didn't go down that path. There are so many answers on but the we internet. can go. We can go there next time. I don't know if we're ready to go down it, but I am curious. <laughs> I'll do my best. Thanks. Um, so wrapping up Alexander's story, Thessaloniki was left grief-stricken and never recovered after he died. Heartbroken, she decided to kill herself, but after she threw herself into the waters of the sea, she was transformed into a mermaid. A tragic figure, Thessaloniki was also dangerous. Whenever she saw a passing ship, she would ask the sailors if Alexander was alive or dead, and their answers could doom them to a watery death. If they told the mermaid that the great Macedonian was alive, Thessaloniki would leave them and go on her way. But if they told her the truth, that he was long dead, she would become furious and turn either into a demon or a gorgon, depending on the myth. She would then sink the ship and all the sailors on board would drown. And a gorgon is like a Medusa, right? Medusa, yeah, but there was only three. So I am curious why they would say a gorgon or if that's just something interchangeable is like a woman who just doesn't fuck with men. Oh, I guess that's true. It could be. But huh, it was pretty interesting because there is a lot of lore that I did read that goes into it of what could tie to the Gorgon because you have Gaia, who's like the first goddess, and then she had sex with her son and gave birth to the Titans. And from the Titans, you get the Gorgons. Um, but it didn't really super tie into Thessaloniki, so I left it out. But now hmm. it made its way back in anyway. So I'm glad that that knowledge wasn't wasted <laughs> to get written down. Well, I mean, you can't just say that she may have turned into a Medusa and then leave it at leave it at that, you know? Yeah, I don't like the Gorgon idea. I kind of like more of the demon thing. Of yeah. Where she just is pissed and, you know. Mm -hmm. And I love that the sailors either have to lie and live or tell the truth and die. I love that. Yeah, that is good. That is good sea lore. Mm-hmm. So these accounts would start a long-standing tradition of mermaids being the beautiful enemies for sailors the world over. Even Christopher Columbus claims that he saw mermaids, three mermaids to be exact, in his 1493 voyage just off the coast of Hispaniola. Hispaniola. Honestly, the fact that Christopher Columbus is claiming that he saw mermaids almost completely discredits mermaids completely for me. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because you're not alone in that. Because what's frustrating about these accounts is that they are often dismissed to be manatees. And while I don't want to give this man any credit, see how I anticipate what you're going to say when I write the show notes? That's true. <laughs> I have a hard do. time believing that he didn't know what he saw. So while his original journals of his seven-month-long first voyage are lost forever, we do have historical summaries from people who did read the entries about the mermaids. For one, he did describe them as half human, half fish, and very ugly. Now, rude. I know, and this could be dismissed as a manatee, but I find manatees adorable, and I think manatees are so great. cute. Yeah, sea dogs. But remember, mermaids had existed in the world for hundreds of years before Columbus ever came along, and ancient Assyria, where they first originated, did not have manatees in the area at all. So you can't I... trace the manatee blame all the way back. I also want to say it would be someone like Christopher Columbus who would see like a hot manatee or not hot manatee, hot mermaid and be like, 
ew, she's ugly. <laughs> like, it would be him to be like, look at this, like, bombshell mm -hmm. mermaid and be like, she was disgusting. Like, I, it's, yeah, that yeah. checks out. I bet every girl that never gave him the time of day was also hideous. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, but another interesting point is that Columbus wrote how they came out of the water, specifically saying how they came high out of the water, and likened them to the sirens who sat upon the rocks to lure men to their deaths. So they're specifically differentiating mermaids and sirens here because I think they're one and the same. That's actually super interesting and it is something that we should make a note to go over because I also differentiate between mermaids and sirens, but they are so heavily tied into the history and the lore of them that it should be. I need to start taking notes of things that we need to answer. One, mermaid pussy. Two. Yeah, huge. <laughs> huge, big question. I'm writing it down because you know I'll forget um mermaids it wrote it twice and then mermaids sirens differences anyway so yeah he does distinguish them that they are different um but the important thing here is to note the fact that columbus saw the mermaids come out of the water which is something manatees simply do not do mm. And another interesting historical sighting of mermaids comes out of egypt in november 1565 by a man named Christopher von Heimendorf. Your German really popped out for your ability to Thank say you. that with absolutely I, right? no breakdown of spelling. I didn't That's even not have to something look up, to be proud of. <laughs> I didn't even have to look up pronunciation on this one. Yeah, you just, it can't, you know, the Aryan jumped out of you for that. It was impressive it, and both concerning. Yeah, it is concerning, but, you know, if you have to embrace your Germanic problematic history, why not just do it in pronunciation? It hurts no one. True. Christoph was a councilman and senator from Nuremberg and often traveled to different countries, which was high in fashion with aristocrat, can't even say fucking English words, aristocratic men in their 20s at the time. Essentially, every guy would go on trips and it would make him fascinating. We've seen it in Bridgerton and now we see it in History Man. Guys be tripping. Literally, he made his way to famous religious sites in Christian and Greek history, but his most famous encounter came when he finally found himself in Egypt. According to HistoryMash.com, Christoph's account of the mermaid was stated as fact in the same fashion as he described the religious sites he had visited at the same time. He wrote about the mermaid in a matter-of-fact and observational way, summarizing that the mermaid was old, taken there many years before, and its body resembled a fish and its upper body a human. Only the tail, stomach, breasts survived, and its arms and head were lost. Brutal. I know, that's so sad. Like a little, they cut up a little dumpling of a mermaid and just left it, the torso and the limbs. It was very you know, dollied. It, it is very, ble the Black Dahlia murder of them. Also, I mean, I'm not sure if you'll address this later on, but what if that was what if that was like a fucking 1500s serial killer and he was just oh. like do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like and was just posing the body the like, black dahlia meets jack the ripper in the sense that they like carved him up but like put him together in a very weird twisted way um yeah like you know what it makes me think of like in house of a thousand corpses when rain wilson's character is turned into a human mermaid 
and pres- have you seen this? Mm-mm. You haven't seen House of a Thousand Corpses? I don't really watch gory movies, but I do like Rob Zombie. Um, I actually think that he hates this film now looking back on it. Does he? Yeah. You know, we played but- the same night we went to Coheed, and I was like, I would love to see Rob Zombie, but like... I think I support Rob Zombie in a way that's different than the way that I enjoy Coheed and Cambria's music. Yeah, also I'm pretty sure Mudvayne was with them too, and there's no amount of money you could have paid me to have endured that. So, um, But I'm sending you a picture of Rain Wilson in House of a Thousand Corpses as a merman. Bitch. But So this is almost what I think of when you describe this scene. Yeah. like It's just like a serial killer presenting a body in a different way, dressing yeah. it up. Oh, it's, uh, let me change my mashup. It's very Black Dahlia meets Human Centipede. Yeah, or like House of Wax. Yeah. Just like creating a little guy out of a dead body. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> but I think also a big downfall of us is we don't give people in history very much credit when it comes to like the shit that they could come up with and the shit that they would do. We always want to think like if we were transplanted back in time that we would do things so much smarter, but really the human brain has not evolved since we've become humans. Yeah. And we're just the same as we ever fucking were. Yeah. No, I agree. I think like, I don't know. It's maybe it's that blissful ignorance right of just being like this has to be a mermaid and not like i've witnessed a crime scene i want it to be a mermaid i do believe in every cryptid so i will believe in mermaids i want it to be a mermaid but i also know the horrors of man will yeah. work every <laughs> fantasy i fucking have yeah so yeah. so just an interesting thing to think about i agree that would actually be really cool to think of like with the different hoaxes in history if they really were just crime like, actual crime, not just, like, fun, like, Barnum and Bailey trying to trick us with, like, the Fiji mermaid, mm-hmm. but, like, actual murder crime. Yeah. That we misinterpreted. Yeah. So, moving to North American sightings. Now, this tribe in the white man is traditionally called the Mi'kmaq, but I read an article that says we need to stop being lazy in our pronunciation of things, so I'm going to do my best, um, but if I pronounce any of these things wrong... I relied on YouTube pronunciation videos, mm. so whew, I'm really trying to be respectful. Respectful <laughs> the, and better. Yeah. So the Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq tribe, mostly from Nova Scotia area in Canada, have a story about a man named Lone Bird who had his account documented in the book Spirits, Fairies, and Merpeople, Native Stories of Other Worlds by C.J. Taylor. Ooh, that sounds like such a fun book. Oh, doesn't it? You, I still have that book that you lended to me where it's like yeah. Wished Fairies. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I keep it very safe and away from moisture. There's Good. no flooding that will happen up here that will ruin these books. So it is safe, but you can have it back at any time. But in this book, Taylor writes about Lone Bird's encounter with five women he spotted in a cove and described how they could not have been humans, stating, quote, they were lovely, it is true, but they looked nothing like human maidens. For humans do not have pale skin with spotted silvery scales. No elbows to differ. Um, that is, <laughs> okay, for real though? Like, isn't that just what psoriasis is described as? Well, I mean, consider this like native population pre-white man. So oh, maybe they were just seeing Scandinavians bathe. But they did mention that they had spotted silvery scales. 
they just saw like Chelsea's people and <laughs> yes. one of them had psoriasis and they were like I have never seen a white person with scales yeah <laughs> and they're um... not wrong about that <laughs> Um, they were just wearing fishnets and got a sunburn, <laughs> but they do not dress with their, they do not dress their hair with strands of seaweed. And though maidens adorn themselves with necklaces of bright shells, humans have legs. Their bodies do not end in long fishtails. There's the caveat they should have mentioned first. Not that they just saw pale women with weird jewelry. Yeah. Um, now it's always fun to dive into these old accounts of mythical things and dismiss them as being from a different time where humans had a much smaller grasp of the scientific and natural world than we do now. And since there isn't existing proof from these stories, they're often dismissed as mere legend. However, when we really start to dive into more modern mermaid sightings, we need to take a minute to consider that something more could really be lurking in our oceans. I mean, this is what I'll always say about the oceans, right? I will die a skeptic if there's anything that the X-Files did for me it's question everything, right? Um, yeah, you really, the, you went full Scully. I, went I full have Boulder. to. I like, Someone has everything. to be. There has to be balance in the force. Yeah. And um, I, but I also will concede where it needed, where it needs to be. Like we don't understand our oceans at all whatsoever. And I have been seeing, even though this might be a completely different cryptid altogether, I have been seeing fucking videos of like sailors like crabbers lobster dudes like out on the fucking ocean it's three in the morning and pitch black they're asleep on in their quarters and they just hear like sirens wailing mm -hmm. and yeah. they record it and everything and it's it's not like you know bigfoot footage that's filmed on a fucking kia sorrento backup camera like it's like legit like good yeah. quality footage of everything yeah. that's going on and they, if there's anything that's been been able to persuade me it's that mm -hmm. and i don't know i almost have like a new vision of what i think like a mermaid or a siren could be and it's less humanoid and it's just like more monster yeah, I think I hold mermaids and sirens in a similar tier as I do Bigfoot, where I'm not sure if they even are terrestrial at this point. Like, it could be paradimensional or even extraterrestrial. I don't know. But I agree with you. I'm not 100% sure what they are. I almost would envision a mermaid to look more like Gilman. Do you know what I mean? We're going to fucking talk about that. Oh, can't wait. Okay. So let's jump into more recent history. Specifically, during the war-torn Kai Island chain in 1943. Japanese soldiers were stationed on a small island in this region during World War II. And these soldiers began reporting strange sightings of creatures in the water just off the shore. While they described them as having human-like limbs and faces, their mouths would gape open more akin to that of a carp. That's There's just an overweight white man trying to swim <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> so mouth breather with sinus yeah, problems. Just like... <sighs> I also look like a carp when I do that. Look at my face. I never related more to anyone in my life than the COVID and Cambria drummer who did not close his mouth once that entire show. I was like, finally, the mouth breathers are represented. <laughs> Just it's true. You you were shown and seen during that. Uh huh. I did feel more. I've never felt more seen. It's just you need you need people representing you in culture. Like you need a hero to look up to. It's very important <laughs> for that diversity to be represented. Um, but also, their skin was more pink in color, and they had spines like a fish running down their heads and onto their backs. 
Interesting enough, they didn't have fishtails like the traditional stories, but rather two human-like legs. Gee, Noel, what fucking sounds like a humanoid with a big-ass mouth and, like, spiky features, if not Gilman? It's, yeah, that's spot on, dude. And one of the first encounters happened with one soldier who was patrolling the beach at night. He heard some noise up ahead and almost thought it sounded like a child playing. That's your first key to turn around. Mm-hmm. If you hear happy children, you got to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, especially and- at night. Oh, my God. <sighs> This is such a weird interjection, but the Justice League pet movies was so fucking good. But there is a scene where a kitten, who is a bad guy, is just singing like, I'm gonna find you. And I remember sitting back in my chair like, Jesus Christ. And I think I looked at my sister. See that movie? It is the best Justice League movie, period. And I say that knowing the other Justice League movies exist. I meant what I said. Yeah, I mean, when the bar is on the floor, it's easy to rise above it. And this exceeded expectations. It might even be the best Justice League movie ever. I remember seeing a preview for it in the theaters. I'll have to check it out. Also, also fix your mic. You're breathing into it. Oh, sorry. Of mouth breathers. Um, I recommend seeing it because the story was super good and it was super entertaining. Like, I know stories are always marketed to kids, but, like, the, the story was fucking good and it was super enjoyable. And I actually laughed out loud and I never laugh out loud at anything. Cute. That's a good it recommendation. Good. It I have to say that, like, everybody did so fucking well in the movie. It was really well casted, and it was super smart. And the characters had, like, cliche things, like the turtle becomes a speedster. But there's also one point where she goes off and chases a piece of lettuce, and then she ends up in the countryside somewhere, and she just goes, where the fuck am I? And I, like, they bleep it out, but I spit my drink out because it was (laughs) not... It was so unexpected because the whole time you're, like, watching a kid's movie, there's never anything alluded to that's wild. And then all of a sudden this turtle is just like, I, I, or she'll go, like, I can't see shit. And they just bleep her out. And I was fucking dying. Anyway, it's super That good. is literally the best. Yeah. The I, turtle is played by Natasha Leone. So. Oh, my God. Even better. Dude. I would see it again. Period. Point blank. I'm looking at, like, the the dogs. Or not the dogs, the characters that are like mm-hmm. on there. Is it like Batman as a mongoose? Am I looking at the right thing? No, Batman. Um, the what Batman dog. At? Justice League of Animals. Oh, I'm looking at the yeah. wrong thing. Yeah, it's the Justice League of Animals. So it's like a squirrel, a turtle. DC a League of Super Pets is what this yeah, is. Yeah, that's called. what it is. I bet you. But like The Rock plays Crypto. And Kevin Hart plays Ace, and they already have such a good rapport professionally that just seeing it translated into, like, cartoon form was just, it was really enjoyable. I mean, there were obviously parts that I was like, like, that's a kid's joke, and I was like, well, it's cute. But it wasn't ever, I never felt pandered to, and I Mm. never felt like it wasn't intelligent. You know when you, like, watch kids' cartoons, they're like, they fucking snuck an adult joke in there. Yeah. The whole movie was like that. Like, me and my sister absolutely loved it, and my niece also loved it. I love when they do that. Also, you weren't lying when you said this was a stacked cast. The Rock, Kevin Hart, Keanu Reeves, John Krasinski, Ben Schwartz, Kate McKinnon, Mark Marin, Diego Luna, Natasha Leone, Vanessa Breyer. Holy mm-hmm. shit. And it was so fucking good. Like, it's, um, I would 100% recommend it, like, over anything that we've talked about. I, I, I can't think of anything I'd recommend over it at this time. I would even recommend it over the boys and everybody knows how much I love the boys because it was just so fucking fun, man. And sometimes we just got to have fun and it wasn't, 
it had like a super good message so you could learn something from it but it was also just enjoyable like and it was it was just so fucking good i can't wait to show it to puffin because I just think he needs better role models oh in his God. life. Um, <laughs> She's losing it. It's official. Yeah. Anyway, the Japanese soldiers, back to that. So he thought it was a child playing. Mm-hmm. And as he slowly approached, he started to pick up on features that didn't appear quite right, specifically its large fish-like mouth. It was actually just me breathing. Yeah. But startled, the soldier let out a cry, which in turn scared the creature back into the dark waters. And according to MysteriousUniverse.org, there were other reports that caused greater concern for the Japanese soldier. On one patrol, the soldiers came to an isolated area on the island, which quickly had its silence broken by loud thrashing noises coming from the lagoon. They waded a bit into the water to see what was making in the noise, when suddenly an orong ikon, which is what they called it, Hmm. pulled itself out of the water and onto a rock outcropping. It stared at the soldiers and let out a threatening gurgle, like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I imagine it more of like a hiss, like, yeah, um, before they realized that another one of the creatures was speeding towards them just below the surface of the water. That scares the shit out of me for some reason, that one makes noise and is like, while another one fucking sneaks up from the side. Yeah, that is terrifying, because that means they're smart. Yeah, so terrified, the men ran from the area and fired shots behind them, concerned that the beasts worked together to keep them distracted while the other attempted a sneak attack. And more and more sightings like this happened, and eventually the Japanese soldiers turned to the indigenous people on the island, who creatively called the creatures, like we said, the Orang Ikan, which translates to human fish. There it is. And although the locals didn't have a direct means of contact with the Orangi Khan, they offered to notify the soldiers should one get caught in their fishing nets. And one night, the acting sergeant on the team named Taro Horiba was notified that an Orangi Khan had washed up dead on shore. Once he arrived at the site of the body, he was genuinely shocked to be finally coming face to face with one of the beings that had been on everyone's mind during the entire occupation of the Kai Islands. Quoting from Cryptomundo.com, Horibe described the dead creature as being around 160 centimeters long for the Americans. That's about a Noel. Thanks. And possessing the head of a red-brown shoulder-length hair and spines around the neck. The face was said to be quite ugly, with human-like and ape-like features, a low, short nose, a broad forehead, and small ears. The lipless mouth was wide like that of a fish and specifically described like that of a carp and filled with tiny needle-like teeth. The creature's fingers and toes were long and webbed. Hariba also reported that there was some sort of algae attached all over its body. They couldn't even get a caricature artist up in this bitch to draw this to fuck. And there was no known creature residing on the island that could have possibly accounted for the dead creature he had witnessed, and the sight of the carcass had deeply disturbed him. And upon returning to Japan, Hariba told of his experience and urged zoologists to go investigate the phenomena, but no one took him seriously. The fact that he had taken no photos did not help his cause, and in the end, he was mostly ridiculed. And honestly, I stand by that him being ridiculed you couldn't take a single photo you couldn't get one motherfucker to draw that bitch are you kidding me i think they had other things on their mind i know that they were filming shit yeah i saw pearl harbor 
There were cameras. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now let's bounce to Vancouver, Canada, which, remember, is part of where the – a lot of other, like, lore about mermaids had come to light, specifically in Nova Scotia. But we're going to go to Vancouver in 1972. You see, on August 17th, we are coming up on the 50-year anniversary of the infamous Thetis Lake monster sighting. And on this day, two 16-year-olds made a report to the mounted police that they saw a spontaneous swelling of water and were then chased out of the area by some sort of aquatic creature. The sincerity of the boys and genuine fear led the mounted police to investigate the area. And although they didn't find anything, there was a second sighting four days later by two other teenagers. And they described the slightly less violent encounter, quoting, It came out of the water and looked around. Then it went back into the water. Then we ran. Its body was silver and shaped like an ordinary body, like a human being body. (laughs) But it had a monster face and it was all scaly with a point sticking out of its head and great big ears and horrifying eyes. How teenagers talk. Never change. Also, the Thetis-like monster... There's like a really, there's a line in the sand where it's either almost a complete copy to Gilman Mm -hmm. or it's more of like the monster squad version of Creature from the Black Lagoon where it's that like aquatic lizard Mm -hmm. looking face. And something that's also super interesting with it is that a lot of people were like, it's a hoax. The kids were lying. The kids were lying. The kids were lying. And it's really easy to just go, well, the kids lied. But people very rarely bring up the second sighting that the police looked into. And these teenagers and the different accounts were completely different. The first sighting was done by 16-year-olds. And the second sighting was like by a 12 and 13-year-old. They were not in the same social circles. And they were completely unrelated. So it wasn't like they corroborated on a story or anything. So... I think when it comes to people trying to dismiss stuff as hoaxes, it's important to look at the fact of, like, who's reporting this and if they Mm -hmm. have had any interactions with each other or if there is something to gain, right? Because these boys were treated horribly. Why would more kids come out? Especially to the Royal Mounted Police. Because I almost feel like you have cops and then you have the Mounted Police. And I feel like the Mounted Police are just so much more respected. And maybe that's just my American perspective. That might be fall. an Amerabrained version of it. But I do feel like a man on a horse is going to laugh at you more when you try to report a crime about a cryptid. So there was a show called Due South that my mom watched when I was young. And the guy was one of the Mounted Police. And he had a dog. And the dog was like a giant husky. And his name was Baker. And I am obsessed with it. And I think maybe that's also helped perceive my vision of the mounted police was this man and his super sweet dog. Yeah, sounds like it. But Deffenbaker is not like the coolest name ever. And for somebody who has like the smooth brain memory of a lemming, the fact that I remember that <laughs> just shows like the how smart I used to be before my head injuries to where I could actually recall details of stuff like that. And now today I'm like, I don't know how to read anymore. Um. Yeah. Also, it was a little red husky. How cute, right? Yeah, I have one of those. Doesn't look as cool as this guy. Mine's <laughs> a little derpy. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the cops who were investigating these encounters essentially did what cops do best. They swept it all under the rug with a really shitty explanation. I need you to just absorb this. Mm-hmm. They literally said that a man had lost his lizard and they saw the lizard. 
Oh. So they didn't say that the kids made the story up. They said that they misinterpreted what they saw and what they saw was a lizard. Despite I mean, everything. Maybe, right? We, we've been seeing pictures of when people release the goldfish that they won at the county fair into like the sewer water and it turns into a fucking monster. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's some truth there. Um, but let me tell you the story, Noelle. A lizard could not fucking survive in Nova Scotia's winter, much less thrive for an entire year in Canada's wilderness. I mean, yeah, they also say the that water. the goldfish that usually doesn't live past 12 hours in your care is all of a sudden thriving in a New York That's, City sewer water. Yeah, probably because it has room to swim. We're terrible to goldfish. We put them in their tiny little tanks and think that they're happy. They need like three gallons per like quarter inch. I'm just saying. Well, you never know. Now, I imagine having your experience dismissed as you seeing a manatee, JK, I mean a lizard would be incredibly frustrating, especially when you look at the... And I know, I was so excited when you said, I can't believe there's not an artist's sketch of this, because there fucking is, but I saved it for this. Because there is an artist's sketch of the teenager's descriptions, and there's also an artist's sketch of the Orang, Orang Econ. And if you look at them, they are very similar, despite the fact oh, that the one comes from Japan. Oh, so cute. I know. He looks like a little alien. He looks like an alien boy. The teenager one looks like a little, like, maybe cousin to Gilman, little baby, and then the Japanese artist Japanese one is like, fucking... is like a store brand short pygmy Sasquatch. Yeah, it does look like a Sasquatch feet. with, with uh, <laughs> and lobster boy hands yeah. and feet. Um, the... The teenager's drawing looks like what they would advertise sea monkeys as. Like, mm -hmm. in uh, how fucking cute yeah. is that little guy? So, very similar, very different parts of the world. So, what's so interesting about these sightings is, yes, they do get wrapped up in Mermaid Lord. But also, there isn't really a good way to dismiss these as manatees or fucking lizards. Yeah, these don't look like manatees at all to me. And it, they also came out of regions where manatees are not native to that area. Nova Scotia, are you fucking kidding me? Like Vancouver, there's no manatees there for them to get this confused. And there's no indigenous wild lizards either. <laughs> so it begs the question of if our understanding of mermaid anatomy has been completely wrong this entire time. Because these yes. don't have tails. They have yeah, because we were going off of like horny Christopher Columbus drawings. Mm -hmm. So... It does make sense to want them to have fishtails, but these creatures seem to mostly also be inhabiting lagoons and lakes and not necessarily the vast open sea. So having tails wouldn't really be beneficial. It would make more sense if they're on islands and on fucking Canada that like entire continents that they would want to have legs as well as webbed feet to adapt for both environments. But don't worry. We will get into the Mermaids with Tails, part two, coming next week. Woo! Also, I'm so excited that mermaids are just Gilman, as I always suspected. Isn't that fun? I started this wanting to go full scope mermaids of, like, the tails. Because there are so many sightings of mermaids with tails. But I was like, what the f fuck is going on with these here isn't that interesting the two story or the two pictures like we'll have to find a way to show this to people um yeah i can put them together as the image the similarities are impressive it is true 
And honestly, it makes more sense to me mm -hmm. to be built that way, you know? Also, the fact that they can scuttle around on land as well as scuttle around um, in water, I think brings them, like, also that second picture looks very Bigfoot-esque. Yeah, the second picture is giving Bigfoot. It's so giving it, hairy little guy. Yeah, and it's like, do we even fucking know what we've been looking at all these years? What if, like, Bigfoot sightings and mermaid sightings are one and the same and we're just too stupid to make any distinctions? We've been stupider about other things, so. Also, that, that picture is Predator fighting Gilpin. <laughs> I do love I that. just found the craziest art. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That Also, that picture hurts me because I just know that Predator would rip Gilman's shit. I know. Gilman's me? a lover. Yeah, he's, he's not a fighter. Yeah, he's the misunderstood teddy bear who... He's like um, the Sandlot Goliath dog, where he yeah. comes off intimidating, but really he's harmless. Yes, that's exactly it. So, well, yeah. fucking cool. I know, right? I had no idea. This yeah, was I love a fun that. one. So. I do love that. I knew I was right along, all along, and I love being proven even more right. I'm happy I could help with that endeavor. Thank you. Speaking of being right, you can get yourself right by going to the link tree in any of our bios um, and in there you can get links to our merch page we have fun merch off on that check it out um, we also have a link to our patreon dollar get you in um, new episodes every week we did do a fun one this week talking about like our reviews spoiler free about prey and the sandman series and just religion and the devil in general um, you can also get a link to Kelly Holloran or Wildwood Owl's Etsy page where you can get our pins, stickers, and all the cool shit she does. Um, and our Discord server is also linked on there. We have Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but again, if you're listening to this right now, that's probably not a problem for you. Um, I'm at Noelle Fane. Chelsea is at Sith Lard. And um, go to help podcasts on everything else. We'll see you next week. We're going to yeah. talk more fucking mermaids. We'll get into it. Bye. Bye.